Welcome to Dungeon Talk. Higher level learning for your tabletop game. And now, here's Evan and Michael. Hey, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And Nico. And this is Dungeon Talk, episode 23. 23. Today's table topics include role-playing versus character choice, and then we're going to do a Gen Con recap because Michael's back and he survived his first Gen Con. Oh, it was fantastic. And both of you guys suck for canceling at the last minute. (laughs) But he had an awesome time. And then we're going to get to our mailbag question from Jacob Piper that's about getting quiet or detached players sitting around the table more involved in the game. Uh, when they might like something, one part of the game better than the other, and they kind of sit back and are quiet during some parts of it. So, to begin, you had a, I don't know if I'll call it a discussion or an argument with we, somebody that we play with. We had a passion. He's been on the podcast yeah. before. Everybody knows Jared. He's been on the podcast. Yeah, we've had a, we had a passionate discussion. We played in a game together, and um, it this was, I think, the next day we were talking. I don't even know how we got on the conversation, but we had a pretty passionate discussion about role-playing versus character choice. And I don't even know how I can explain this quickly, but I'll try. So the, the way it came about is I was going to play in a Dungeon Crawl Classics game, which, by the way, was my favorite event of the entire Gen Con. Fucking loved it. But in that game... There's only three classes. You have an elf, which is a class, which is sort of like the wizard. You have a fighter, and then you have a rogue. And Jared, was, we were just talking. He's like, you know, I don't know if I'd really like that because if you had a large party, there's going to be so much overlap. Because with only three character classes, if you have more than three players, there's going to be at least two of something. And that's kind of hard to differentiate yourself from the rest of the group. And I took the other side that that's completely not true. <laughs> Because it's not your abilities that define your character, but it's your actions and how you role play and yada yada yada. So eventually, what we got to, where we were discussing, like what is role playing versus character choice, and we played in a 4E game together, and he played like a ranged rogue, and he was using the example that that's sort of how he was different than all the other characters because his powers were set up to be a ranged rogue versus my character, which was a magic user, versus someone else's character who was a fighter. And kind of what I got off on a tangent was defining yourself by your class abilities. Nico's clawing at the table. Is it role-playing at all? And I even argued that, if anything, it was like the opposite of role-playing. It was bad role-playing. And here's – I know I'm not describing it very well, but here was was the point of my example. Who punched who first? Nobody punched anybody. But what I said is role-playing is about – deciding when and if you fight and every decision you make after that one is less important including the tactics that you would use in your battle so for example let's say that i'm on a mission from the queen of this fantasy world and she has told me i'm not allowed to tell anyone what i'm doing but it's so important that i complete this mission that there are no like casualties are okay there at all costs i have to complete this mission but if I tell anybody, I'm committing treason. So then, as a character, I get into a situation where there's someone who's opposing me. And it's not like they're an evil bad guy where it's a really easy choice about killing them. Maybe it's someone that just doesn't understand my mission, and so they're trying to keep me from, from moving forward. So to me, that's the really interesting role play question, is do I commit treason by saying, okay, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but this is what I'm doing. Please let me pass. 
Or do I say, I'm going to murder this dude because the queen told me I have to do this no matter what. I can't tell anybody. To me, that's, that's the cool role-playing thing. Once I decide to go into battle, the actual tactics that I use, whether I hit him with a spell, hit him with a sword, push him off a cliff, those are all less important as far as a role-player than the decision I made whether or not to fight. And then I started to argue or passionately discuss with Jared that, in fact, if I'm doing cool or interesting things in battle, that I'm actually not role-playing. Because in that moment that I've decided now is time to fight, anything I do that is not the most efficiently effective way to, to win that battle is bad role-playing. Because my character wants to win, wants to get by this because I have to get past it. So if I do the cool, fun thing, that's actually dumb if you're playing in a real world. And the example I gave was, let's say that the three of us decide that we're going to rob a bank together. Real life, we're going to rob a bank. And then we go into the bank. Allegedly. Alleged, <laughs> allegedly, we decide to rob a bank. And while we're in the middle of it, my character's like, hey, my name's Michael. And I start just doing stupid stuff to try to be funny. You guys are like, fuck you, and you're probably going to shoot me in the head because I'm going to get us all arrested and we're all going to go to jail for forever. So anything that I do that is not the most effectively and efficient way to go to rob that bank is bad role playing because I wouldn't really do that in the real life. I would try to get through it as quickly as possible. So does that make sense? I am dying to answer this. May okay. I start? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Except can I just ask one question sure. real quick? Um, I understand the last point that you made, but was there a counter argument to that? I can't recall exactly what he was saying. I think he was trying to argue more that – it's about – I understand what the problem is. So. Well, well, his argument – because I, I know we kind of had to stop because I had another game to get to and we had a limited amount of time. So we basically were like, agree to disagree. We'll, you know, time Fuck out. you. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll continue this later. And he was trying to argue that, like, things can change in the middle of the battle. Like, well, you know, our goal is to kill the people. But what happens if another big bad guy comes in that would change the battle? And I was trying to argue, well, that's, that's a separate argument. I'm still trying to succeed. And if the – the, the goal changes because of environmental factors or new, new opponents. That still doesn't change the fact that I should try to most effectively win no matter what, rather than just doing, hey, it would be cool if I did this and it would be fun if I did this, is bad role-playing compared to whatever the most effective tactic is at that time because I just want to get through this uh, encounter. Nico. So I thought I was going to agree with you and disagree with Jared, perhaps because we have similar um, perspectives about role-playing. But I actually disagree with both of you. <laughs> so here's my perspective. You're right. If we went and allegedly committed the robbery, we would be as efficient as possible, try to get out as quickly as possible so we do not get caught by the police. I also agree with you in the fact that you said the decisions you make are part of what makes role-playing role-playing. However, the way you use your character's abilities can be a role-playing thing. Now, certain games kind of minimize that and other games augment it. For example, if you are the type of person that likes to show off, guess what? You're not going to be efficient in battle. Instead, you're going to do some flashy thing that if it's successful, it looks amazing or it can totally mess things up. It's kind of like in a cowboy movie that they throw the coin and shoot it five times. There's no point to that except to be like, huh, I'm better than you, right? Right. So, I think I understand why, why the argument hop took place, though. Jared is the type of person, and he's not the only one. There's multiple people that role play 
through this. Jack is the type of person that says, I will play a ranger. So then his personality is, I am ranger, and then he develops from there. And that's how his character concept gets created. So if, if Jack plays a ranger, he will do scouting. Right? He will do nature things. Because that's, that's how he sees uh, creating a character. And I think, I think Evan is kind of like that too. Evan will say, I want to play a guy with a big sword. And then he'll say, okay, do I want a fighter or a barbarian? And then he'll make a decision. And then he'll build the personality based on that. I work the tall opposite way. I say, who do I want to pretend that I am? Who do I want to roleplay? I want to roleplay a guy that's a leader. I want to roleplay a guy that's quiet. Obviously, our actual personalities sometimes come up, which sucks. But ideally, to myself, I say, who do I want to be today? And then I say, okay, I want to be a very quiet, calculating guy that just sits back and then when the time is right, does something. I'll be like, okay, quiet, calculating. I can be a rogue that stands back like assassin-like. Or maybe I should just be a wizard and just check things out from far, far and then like cast a spell at the right time. Having said that, though, I kind of agree with you at the same time because let's say I do play a wizard. It's not like there's going to be one round that'll be like, um, I will not cast any spells this round. My personality that I'm role playing might not cast any. Because in reality, in real life, you don't say, I got three seconds, I got to do something. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my chance. I'm going to have to wait three more seconds. No, you just kind of look around and at the right time you do something. But in a role-playing game, you feel like you're losing your action if you don't do anything, so you're always doing something. Right. You, sometimes people will say, I want to look around and move to the door, just so they can say that they did something, right? So I, I both agree and disagree with both of you, because I, I do agree that the decisions you make outside of combat are very important. For example, if you decided to kill the guy in cold blood without even asking the question because you're like, I am in a mission, I need to do this no matter what, I don't even care, this guy is a guard, I don't know the, right. with the setting, but I'm assuming he was a guard by a door, a bridge, whatever. If you just killed him outright because you don't even want to slow down, what would that make you? Right. right? Either you're really loyal or you're sadistic. Right. And to me, but that's the you, biggest role-playing moment. If you decide to talk to him, and he, the guy was like, oh, we're not going to let you through, again, it's the decision you were saying. Do I tell him what's happening and might make myself a traitor? Do I not tell him and try to find a different way around? That, that is role-playing, right. right? And depending on what your personality is, and sometimes your personality gets defined by your actions, right. like real life. Well, so you might have an idea in your head about who you want to role-play, but once you actually face the situation, you say, okay, based on the personality I'm trying to be, what would I do in that choice? Right. Well, I want to jump in for a second, to, um, not really to clarify as much as just to throw in kind of a, a curveball, is that I think part of the reason we were having this discussion is that it was a one-shot where we didn't really have any personalities. Like, we all basically were given a pre-gen. Yeah, You're one, the, one and so They are harder. Uh, so, of course, we're going we're gonna to do what our, what our strengths are by that character. But, again, to me, that's why it's not role-playing. And... One of the arguments I made is in an existing campaign, we might eventually find out why is he a ranged rogue? Like, is there something in his background where he had a buddy who got murdered up close? And so he's like, I'm never going to do that. Or, or, you know, are there character decisions that makes, like, are you a ranged rogue because of your personality? Or is your personality a ranged rogue? And I think that's sort of the philosophical difference. And that's, and, and that's exactly how, the, and this is the difference between you and Jared. Jared says... I'm range rogue, therefore this is my personality. You'll say, this is my personality, that's why I'm range rogue. Yeah. I don't think there's right or wrong answer. It's just how we, why we roleplay. That's really what it comes down to. I roleplay because I would like to pretend I'm somebody else. 
So I'll say, who would I want to be? I want to be seductive. All right, let's, let me try that. Mm-hmm. Right? I think other people say, I want to be... But we, we know role players that all the characters... Maybe that's me too, actually. The, all the characters they play, they're always badass. They're always like have a big weapon of some sort and they're always trying to do something. And this is not you, by the way. <laughs> it's just, I'm just saying something about, about some other people that we role play with. They just always like... No. <laughs> like, always, like, they always play the mage, right? Yeah. They might play a different type of wizard, but they're still a wizard. Or maybe now they're a sorcerer, but it's the same thing. Right. So some people just like some classes right and that's and, how the and i'm not even arguing that i'm necessarily right or wrong or good or bad i think to your point the way i like to role play especially as a dm is i like really story focused games where the role playing decisions about again whether we kill the guard or not because of what the queen told us is a really big moment for me but we are still playing a game that's supposed to be fun so once you get into combat you want to have fun so you're probably going to do the cool thing every now and then just because it's cool. You're going to, and I'm actually notorious for doing that as a player, is I'll try to find the most complicated way to win that I can. Same thing with Magic the Gathering. I always try to find the most complicated combos to see if I can win because it's fun for me to win in a way that's not normal. And I get that from a game standpoint. People want to have fun with their characters. But my argument is that's just not role-playing. I mean, in, in my opinion, if you're doing the cool, fun thing in combat, you're actually not role-playing you're still having fun, so I'm not saying it's wrong, but I think it's actually not role-playing if you're just doing the cool, fun thing rather than the most combat effectual thing. So what you're win. saying is you need to start LARPing, live-action role-play, because LARPing doesn't have a lot of combat. Yeah. It's all social interaction. Or I need to modify my beliefs so that you guys have more fun, because that's been one of the criticisms or comments you guys have given me, is that sometimes my games are so story-heavy that we don't get those fun moments in combat. I'm trying to work on that. I think, you know what, I think it depends on, on your personality. I think I have too much combat, right? I think a lot of times I'm like, ah, combat should take place. You like having combat for story reasons. Sometimes I like having combat just to have people do have, something. Right. And I think, and this kind of relates to the question that's going to come up, certain people like certain things, you know? There's people that I've role-played with that they wanted a purely political game. No combat whatsoever. They just wanted politics. And then there's other people that all they want to do is kill things. Right. And if they don't, they find it the most boring game. I kind of monopolize the conversation. So Evan, yeah, I, I want to give something. Evan a moment here to jump in. Just what do you think? I didn't have... Uh, a strong I, opinion. I, well, <clears throat> I guess the, how I was thinking about it was I just see it two ways. One way is very, you're you're limiting yourself one way is very limiting and the other way is very um you're opening yourself up to lots of possibilities to be able to role play anything in any combination in any way you want so i guess i would just i would want to ask jared why he does it that way because if because you're limiting yourself to what you can do you're limiting your how you role play each character Instead of saying I can, I have this new character in front of me. I can do anything I want with him. Um, it's that like it sounds like he's narrowing it down to well, since this is a uh, ranger who has this weapon and this armor and um, these are his abilities, I have to play him this way. Well, it's very limiting well, in so, role playing. Well, I do want to jump in just for a second. To in all fairness of Jared, there were moments where I kind of felt like what he said was agreeing with me. I was like, okay, we've, we've come to an agreement, but he still 
was disagreeing with me, so well, I may not have presented his side of this argument very well. And I want to just throw that out there, Jared, if you're listening. At any time that we get a chance where you can join us, I'd love to revisit this. If I'm not presenting your argument correctly, because I may not be, then feel free to come back in and, and correct me. What I was going to say is having, I haven't played with Jared extensively like for months, but I think I've played enough games to come understand why he role plays and how, how he does it. He's, he has said certain things that you will probably kind of answer your question, Evan. He basically said, I'm a monk, therefore I need to help these people. So he sees it not just I have this sword or this bow and this armor. He also says, if I was a monk, he has a certain concept of what a monk is. So for him, you cannot be an evil monk. You have to be a good monk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes like, sense. That, but that's, I that's guess how I would, he sees it. So he's, it sounds like he's playing stereotypes. Like whatever the stereo, like let's say whatever in the real in real world, whatever the stereotype is for white people, black people, Asian people, policemen, like police, whatever, whatever, yeah. you're- whatever the stereotype is for that culture or whatever. If we sat down and we we're gonna role play those cultures, okay, you're this person, you're this person. So if we were gonna sit down and we were gonna have our own role playing game where we were just playing, we were role playing cultures of the world. And you were from a certain country and you were like, well, I'm from this country. I have to play this person as the stereotype of what this people from that country are. Instead of basically saying like what to your point, basically saying like only people who come from this part of the world or people who from come from this country are all the same. And they're I, so therefore I have to play this person the same way as opposed to saying, well, no, I mean, it doesn't, even if you do live here and even if you were brought up this way and even if there's still, your personality could turn into anything. You could role play, a, you know, that person in any way that you want to. Well, well go sorry. Ahead. What I was going to say is, do you remember Wang, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Wang? Wang. Wang or Wong? Wong, whatever Wang. his name is. It wasn't, wasn't Jared's Wong, character. Yeah, Wang. Jared's character. Yeah. See, what's interesting is he does add personality to his characters, Right, so Wong, Wang, whatever his name was, he was Chinese, and he role-played him a certain way. But he was also crazy, and he also role-played him a certain way. And he was also a, what was he, a bounty hunter or, or a contractor or something like yeah. that. And he play, so he's, he has ideas, he does stereotype, and I, and I don't want people to think that they haven't, if they haven't heard Jared role-play, that he's like, I'm a ranger, I'm going to use my, that's not how it works, but... <laughs> but at the same time, he does he does stereotype certain things. He says, "I am um, a, a I do contract kills or whatever, and I go on the highest bidder, and I'm crazy, and that is his personality. Like you just whatever you think about contract killer, that's crazy. That's how Jared role played him. Right. I think, and again, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of role players that do this. Is that he probably thought, well, I want to play the type of character who does X, Y, or Z. And that sounds like a monk, so I'll be a monk. Like you said, rather than who do I want to be as a character and then lay the class and the abilities on top of it, he did it sort of the other way. This, he and this like, all makes – people do that. Like this a broad all, strokes. This all makes sense, though. If I'm, re, if I'm gathering this correctly, it all makes sense as to why he likes 3.5 so much. Cause three, more classes. Because it's all on paper. His – He's building his concept and personality through all the different choices that you get to make with your classes and oh, your yeah. skills. I mean, he said that many times that, that he likes 3.5, mostly because there's like 100 different source books and there's almost but limitless it, options and And he said that he likes it because 
his I think these were his words. He said in three point five I can make I can be any character. Yes. And and my argument was you can be any character in any game you want. You mm-hmm. just make them up. And I think that's I, our philosophical difference. Is that just for him? It's on paper. Yeah. And that's it's, where it comes it's, from. It's a matter of approach. I'm sure. He, I'm sure it makes sense to him. And he's not. As I said, he's not the only one. I've seen multiple people that that's how they work. You know, the person that introduced me to role playing when I was like 16. That's how he was. He was different games. So he would be like, I want to play a Street Samurai. And now he has a personality to play because a Street Samurai is supposed to behave a certain way. And then the next time he'll be like, I want to play a Wizard. So then he knew exactly what he was going to play. I'm a wizard, therefore, you know, I study, I learn magic, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I don't know. I just, uh, at, the end, at the end of the day, I, I want to make the, uh, there's a difference between role-playing your character and the character choices that you make based on what weapon you use or what abilities that you take. And we all do that like, to an uh, extent. I mean, I don't want to play a character that's broken and play a wizard with three intelligence. That like my monk fun. that wanted to be a cowboy. Was it a monk? You were a Chinese immigrant. Who Chinese wanted immigrant that wanted to be a cowboy. And he was really good with his fists. But he wanted to shoot his gun because yeah. it was cool. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, he would shoot other people right. on his party. So that was funny. But there were plenty of times in combat where it was a bad choice. Very ineffective. Right. And if we were really in the moment and like all of a sudden we're in that situation and there are vampires attacking us and you chose to do something stupid like that, our characters probably would kill you. This is why my character died. It's your fault. Yes. It's why what? Why my character died. It's your but fault. But it was really fun. Your character died? Yeah. In uh, Savage World? In yeah. Savage World. Okay. But again, but I the, don't remember. But the point being, I, if this was real, I would be mad at you because you're doing something dumb. But, but as a kinda, DM, you brought a lot of fun to the game and we we're all laughing. And but isn't that kind of the point? Yes. That, like, this isn't, well, what we're doing is not real. And Some players will be really upset. It's. I, like, I'm, I'm not, I was joking about the kill me. You had nothing to do with it. But. Some players that take the game really seriously would be really upset if at a pivotal point you did something role playing wise and they died. If I thought that what That's I was not doing, the players I like, but if they I do thought exist. that what I was doing was going to have a consequence for anybody else or for our party as a whole, instead of just a little funny moment, then I wouldn't do it. Right. Well, but, you, you even brought that up. You even said, "Am I doing this too much?" Because I would feel bad if I got someone killed yeah, in the game. And we, we kind of discussed it on the side. We're like, no, I don't think you're doing it too much. Because usually you do it once, and then you switch, and it's funny, and everybody likes it. Um, so, again, I, t- at the end of the day, I'm not saying that I want people to, to role-play the way I'm saying. We were having, like, a philosophical dif- the discussion about what is what and what is the other. And I don't think any one is better or different or, you know, the right way or the wrong way. Because I've done that before. Where I'll play, I want to play the atypical wizard. So I'm play the high elf who's arrogant and studies really hard and is, you know, like the Sherlock Holmes really fast, not a lot of wisdom type of thing. Kind of my final words for this is is the following. I think you make a lot more interesting characters. Actually, you specifically, Michael, you make a lot more interesting characters because you break the preconceived notion of what a class is. And I think overall, if you want to play characters with a lot of depth, that's what you have to do. You have to kind of say... What do I want my personality to be? And then kind of figure out your class, your attributes, and all those things. However, if you're new and it's intimidating, it's just safer to just say, I will play a paladin. Therefore, I'm a nice guy. I have a code of honor, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I, and, I think a good way of putting Regardless, yeah, people, people try it both ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, I think 
something you said kind of triggered me. I think the way I would explain that about myself is as a role player and when I'm playing, I have the most fun by the choices I make where some people have the most fun by being successful at their class. So there are some people that feel a reward, like I chose this feat and this feat, and I chose this ability and I have this skill. So now when, I, when I'm in combat, I'm going to do crap ton of damage. This combo and do it. Yeah, no, and, and they enjoy it, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm happier when I'm doing something as a choice out of combat or leads us into combat that's interesting or funny or quirky, like Artie the Artificer, which, I, again, I still love that character. Yeah, he was not fun. a very effective character in combat, but he was so much fun to play out of combat that I still like to play him. So, again, I really want to set this on. We're not saying one is right or one is wrong. It's just a philosophical difference in I how think we in approach the, end, the game. At the end of the day, you're both sitting at the table, you're both role-playing, and you have your character concepts. And you're role-playing whatever that character concept is. It just sounds like the argument is where the foundation comes from. His comes from the over here, and yours comes from over here. Like you were right. saying, the two different approaches between, like, when we're starting a new game, I'll usually go, like, it kind of, it's, it's making me laugh thinking about it. Because you're right, like, when we start a new game... First question is, what kind of character do I want to play? And then the first idea that I need to come up with for what that character is going to be is, what kind of weapon do I want to use? Which is more along the lines of Jared. That, be, and, but a lot of new role players go by class. That, right. It makes more sense. Because I'm usually thinking, okay, do I want to play... Well, it, that's kind of because well, there's multiple reasons. I, here, I can tell you why. I hope I can explain this. Okay. I hope I can explain this well. But here's the reason why I think that is. Class is what's gonna be the make the difference on paper. Class is what's gonna be. I don't. I don't need to decide what kind of personality I'm gonna play up front because it can be anything, regardless of what kind of class I pick. So I can pick that secondary. Personality can come secondary because it can be anything. Whereas, in accordance with the game, the real effect that I'm going to have on the environment and the game is in combat. That's where life and death comes in. Is when we're in combat. That's so. The first, I think, my first pick in what kind of character am I going to play is class because it's like, okay, in this game, do I want to be effective in combat like I have been? Have I enjoyed it or? Do I want to try something new? Because personality-wise, it doesn't matter. I can do anything. I can be a rogue who's afraid of the dark, or I can be a barbarian who is... A baker. A baker. Yeah, I can go against the normal things. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I think but what I was going to say is as a new player, you end up saying to yourself, okay, I've played a paladin, I've played a fighter, I've played a barbarian. Let me try a wizard. That's true. And That's, then you're uh-huh. like, okay, I want to play a wizard... How do I want to play my wizard? I want to do a lot of fireballs. Okay, now, I, and then you create a personality, right? Because you don't know. I think that when you role play a lot, and I think I'm sure Michael does this, the same thing. You have so many ideas in your head. You're like, oh, this, this would be such an awesome thing to role play. And then a month later, you're like, oh, my God, this is a better idea. And then this is why it always happens to me. It never fails. We start, and I'm like, I'm going to play this. And then I'm like, no, 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 I want to play this. Because it's like two different personalities, which happen to have either the same class or different classes, and I want to play both of them. For me, it's so hard to decide which one do I want. And sometimes you choose, and you're like, oh, I've chosen the other one. It will have been more fun. Yeah. 
And, and that's it, what happens. Like, I always have, if you ask me right now about personalities and ideas for character concepts, I have at least four of them. It, it's just right. how you always are. And it depends on the game that you're playing in as well. If, you know, if you're playing in a game that is very combat-driven, not just this, not just a system like 4E, but just playing with a DM who does a lot of combat, then probably your combat skills and class are a bigger part of your character than your role plan if you're skipping over those down moments that I like to role play. Right. So need, it does make more sense to do it that way. You need a group that syncs up with what the DM likes. Because if the DM likes a lot of combat and all the players like a lot of social stuff, it won't work. Right. Or if the DM likes a lot of social stuff and the players like a lot of combat, they'll be really bored. Like, regardless of the DM needs to kind of match what the players want. Yeah. However, if the reality is everybody has a different personality, so even in the best ideal conditions, some people will still be a little bit bored and some people will be more entertained with some parts. I think at the end of the day, one way I would sum it up so that we can move on after you guys get your final words is I could have a lot of fun playing a game, whether it's combat or not, where all of us, like everybody, four or five characters are all playing the same class. I could find a way to make that fun for me. I'm not sure Jared or, or uh, people who role play in that way or like to do things class first would be able to do that. Because I think they would feel like five fighters are going to be stepped on each other's toes because I'm going to power attack with Cleave. Well, I'm going to power attack with Cleave. Well, I'm going to power attack with Cleave. And now Everybody's they've lost. Cleaving. Right, it's not fun anymore. I for me, it, I could have fun I with that. I think it depends on the class because for fighters, you can have multiple types of weapons, which would make a difference, especially if it's like one of them is an archer type and the other one is a, a guy with a lance or a pike and the other guy is with a giant hammer or whatever. I think other classes, like if you play wizard and you generalize wizard to level one, you're going to cast the same spells. There's no other way around Right. Except, see, except I, could still, wanted, I could still have fun with no, that. You could, you could, for sure. But I think in Jara's world, that would be like the worst game ever. Yeah, I agree. And any, I think Evan will probably feel the same way. Any last know? words, Evan? Not really. No, because I've said this to Michael before. Like, I don't understand what uh, if we. So what if we were all playing the same class? I don't. The repetitive, the rep. The re, I don't think the repetitiveness of combat. Combat's repetitive already. Combat is. You roll a dice. You roll a dice. You roll a dice. Now it's my turn again. I roll a dice. You roll a dice. And it's just writing down numbers. It's repetitive. You have a to point begin there. With. Actually, we always kind of put down 4E, and I think that's the one thing that 4E kind of did nicely. Was if I'm a fighter and you're a barbarian, our abilities will work differently, and you can tell there's a difference. While in 3.5 or D&D next, we're both swinging whatever we're swinging. I did like combat in 4E. Um, it was. I liked keeping up. I liked keeping up with how effects tr- triggered at different times and how um, mar- marking people and bloodied and all. I liked that part of 4E. I think 4E is good for newbies. Like if you're new, 4E is an easy game to get into. And it's I think, easy to run. It's I think the next to run. is easy to get into as well because they've simpl- simplified the rules by adding advantage disadvantage. But there's some beauty about being able to say, "Here's your cards." The dailies you can do once a day. Encounter you can do I that once too. every encounter. Yeah, that simplifies things. There's, there's less thinking, but it takes away creativity, which the more you role play, the more creative you want to be. Otherwise, it's just rolling dice all the time. Right. And and I know we, we get, there's lots of arguments about 4E isn't a role-playing game and yada, yada, yada. There, there's, there's both sides of it. And I still believe that 4E is a fantastic tabletop miniatures game. 
and I would love to sometimes play it that way. Let's just get together and let's just do some cool combats, lots of environmental effects, and I could have a lot of fun with it. I don't think it's designed very well for role-playing. Now, if you're an experienced group, you could role-play anything. And I've used this argument before. You could role-play Monopoly if you wanted to. Yeah. I could I could make up in five minutes rules about some sort of charisma check, and when you land on a property, you get a discount if you have a high roll, and there that, can be some politics, but that doesn't mean that Monopoly is a role-playing game. That's true. I actually played game role-playing games with no dice rolling. You just do things, and the DM says you can't do that if it doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, I've even played a role-playing game that there is no DM, and people just do stuff, but I saw, that was more like a PvP, like everybody's trying to kill everybody else, and it says, like, I do this, and then you react to what other people do. So it's possible. The more experienced role players you have, the more crazy stuff you can do. Like, yeah. no dice rolling, and people would just know. It's like, no, you cannot jump over a building. Like, yeah. you, they won't even ask it. So there's not an issue. People right. just do what is expected. So Anyway, I don't know. I hope I gave Jared's argument um, a good going, and I said I'll leave it open. If I didn't, he's welcome to, to, to present it at a future time, and we can rediscuss it. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I want to say, and I think I've said the end of the day three times already, is – I, I want to be a writer. I, wanna, <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. Is that I still think that the decision of whether or not you go into combat is the most important decision that you make after that. Once you're into combat, whether you attack with this ability or that ability or you attack from range, to me that each, each decision gets less and less important to me and less and less interesting. So anyway. Gen Con. Gen Con was freaking awesome. And I really had. Did you get burnout at all over okay. the three or four days? I never got burnt out about the games, but I did get super tired. I mean, I, I'm one. I'm getting old. Just so much going on. That, I didn't schedule very well. Like we, it was kind of like being in college. Like we kept blowing off our early classes. There was three days where we're like, we're not going in at eight, so we would just not do our early events and try to pick up something else. And then because we were, weren't going to bed till like two o'clock every morning. And because we, we had such a hotel, it was 30 minutes away. You guys hitting each other with pillows and giggling. And <laughs> no, it was nothing to do with that. But it was such it was like a half an hour drive each way, plus you had to get to parking. And the events are spread out. They're all kind of close together in walking distance. But you have the ICC, which is the convention center, and then you have like four hotels that surround it. So depending on where you parked, it could take you an additional 20 minutes once you get there to find your room. So in some cases, we would have to leave – before seven o'clock to get there for eight o'clock stuff so we didn't get back to the room till one o'clock so i mean if we walked in and instantly went to bed and didn't take any showers we still would have no more than six hours in the hotel so we we didn't schedule very well so what you're saying is don't schedule things at eight in the morning because you won't make it unless you're You'll be wasting really, your money basically well unless you're really dedicated or next year we're going to get a hotel much closer like we've already been working out the arrangement so that you know you could go take a nap because we couldn't do that there because we're all we have to we took one car so there were plenty of times where i would have like a three-hour break in the middle of the day and i'd just hang out and walk around where if i had a hotel right there i could just go take a power nap for 20 minutes and be refreshed so for the people that haven't have never gone to any convention because i've gone to other conventions not that one can you explain what's there, what people can do in general? Oh, well, I can only just explain what I did. Uh, I pretty much did 100% role-playing, and there is a lot more to it than that. There was a costume contest, uh, cosplay, there were video games, there were tournaments, magic tournaments, uh, a bunch of other different games. There's an ex exhibition hall, or what's called the Dealer's Hall. There's like hundreds and hundreds of booths that have like all the major game companies are there but there's also artists there's t-shirts there's i bought some foam weapons for the kids there i mean 
there, I can't even tell you. I mean, for the I spent, kids. For the kids. <laughs> I spent hours just walking around the, the dealer's hall. There's uh, special events. Like, we went to a dinner party that was like a murder mystery. It was a D&D themed uh, dinner party with murder mystery in it. There, um, there was, like, uh, comedy troops. There are um, there's even there's actually I, I had signed up to watch some movies. Yes, there's a there's film movies at night. Yeah, there's a there's a film section. I mean, it it is crazy. What kind of films? What was going it, on? it was uh, the ones I was going to see. I like bad horror films, so it was all bad horror films. It was like back to back. There's one from ten to twelve and twelve to two. I think and it was like one. When of you them say was bad like, horror films, what do you mean? Like B, like B-, B- movie. movie horror films. Like, like Toxic Avenger style oh, okay. or, you know, stuff like that. So that's why I want – the reason why I ask you that question is I did not schedule a lot of events. And there's two reasons for that. One, and this is my recommendation for anybody that plans to go to Gen Con, register the first day they open up. Yes. See, the mistake I made, I said to myself, I have a few days. I'll spend a little bit more time just making sure that everything works out and I have enough breaks, blah, blah, blah. I think on Wednesday, which was like four days later, everything was closed. Like every single game I wanted to play, I could not. And that's because a lot of events is just only four or six people can play. Yep. So if out of the thousands of people that attend, if four of them like a game, guess what? You're not going to be playing it. I wanted to play Warhammer 40K. Everything was closed. There was like nothing available. The weird things stay open, like writer stuff. That there's not. I shouldn't call writers weird, <laughs> yeah. but but you know I've, I've thought not, about being a writer, but it's not really. <laughs> but it's not as popular as like you know playing a role playing game. Right. So I found found myself with a lot less choices. So my advice is register on Sunday, because you'll regret it if you don't. And the other one, the way I wasn't really worried about not having a lot of registered events. I think I had like six, uh, was because I knew there were so many booths. And so many other things going on, like checking out video games, going to all the booths, buying cool stuff, even reading, right? You can read the things you buy. There's so many role-playing books to buy from. I knew I wouldn't be bored. I knew right. I would have something to do. Oh, it was insane. Now, for me, I think one of the advice I would give, too, is to have a goal in mind. Like, what are you wanting to do or what are you wanting to accomplish? For me, I wanted to try a bunch of different games. So I had signed up for a Pathfinder game, which I know is basically 3-5, but I'd never... Never actually played Pathfinder. I wanted to play Savage Worlds again. I wanted to play uh, 13th Age. I wanted to play Savage World. I wanted to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. So I, I basically had all these role-playing games that I wanted to play, so that filled up all my time. So one of the things that I will definitely do different next year is, one, I'll do an early day on Thursday because that's the first day, and I don't think it would be a big deal to get up early. Probably won't do an early day Friday and Saturday. Might do an early day on Sunday because we're probably going to go home kind of early anyway so you're going to get up you got to check out of your hotel so it not, it's not that big of a deal to go ahead and do an early day on sunday i'm going to have a lot more uh free time because one of the things that happens all the time particularly because i'm on twitter people say hey i'm in the lobby of this hotel who wants to play and like the first five people that respond or show up and then you just sort of play like a pickup game that was happening all the time and i never had time to do that and i wanted to so i'm probably going to schedule a lot less next time and be more open to just pick up games whether i run them or playing them just kind of seeing what's going on and i think i'll be a lot more involved i still i'm not as interested as like in the movie stuff i'm not as interested in like the social events like the parties uh, but i probably will just schedule more free time and be more flexible but i 
had a blast. So tell us about the your favorite game that you played in and your least favorite okay. game that you so played in. By far, my favorite game was Dungeon Crawl Classics. I fucking loved that game. Well, one thing I want to say too is the other thing I'll tell you to do is if you go with people, try to schedule events with people that you know. Because across the board, I always had more fun if Jared or, or uh, Rob, Rob, Jared or Travis were with me than if I was by myself. Now, I didn't have any bad tables. I didn't have any tables where I'm like, this guy's an asshole or this guy's an idiot. But I just felt more comfortable if there was at least one more person there that I knew. Because you have some chemistry there. Yeah, because there was at one table I was at where I was the lone person and everyone else knew each other. And I never felt like I fit in. Even though I had fun, I, you could tell they already knew each other. They were doing inside jokes. They were talking about old characters. And I was sort of like odd man out. And I think that had I, there been at least one other person there that I could then attach with, it would have made it easier. But okay, so Dungeon Crawl Classics. Fucking awesome. We didn't even play a traditional Dungeon Crawl Classics game, which when I first got there, I was actually disappointed. I was a little bit mad because I really wanted to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. And we were playing a game where we were from 1974, Wisconsin. We were normal people, and we got transported into a magical realm like D&D. So we basically were normal people. But the way it works, Dungeon Crawl Classics is so deadly that we rolled three characters. And we started off, everybody was playing three characters at once. With three classes? Well, we, we didn't even have classes because we were not D&D characters. I was a zookeeper, a gambler, and a circus geek. My first two guys died in about four and a half minutes. And my last guy became the new Sauron, which was awesome. Okay, so the way it works is you roll 3D6 in a row, no re-rolls, nothing. So I had a guy with an intelligence of four. I had two of my characters had one hit point. My toughest character had a hit point of four. You have a luck roll. It was, I mean, it was awesome. So Now, are these, are these following old D&D rules? Very, very similar. It was still sort of a made-up game. Like, the guy who ran the game, and that's the other reason I liked it so much, and I wish I could remember his name, he just had this enthusiasm. You could tell he loved this game. He loved what we were doing. He was just smiling, and he was just like, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, he was just like, I was feeding off his energy so much, it was just crazy. I just loved that. Was he... Was he like a writer or something? He said he worked somewhat. for the company, but I don't know. I don't know if he was a creator because I don't remember his name. Um, I probably could look it up. He's probably still in my account. But the guy was fucking awesome. And plus he looked like a hippie. So we were playing like this 1974 game. And he had like long hair. And he had like a Fu Manchu. I'm pretty sure if I asked him for pot, I could have got some. <laughs> but dude was awesome. So uh, we, you start off and basically you make your your like your profession and then you get your equipment based off that. So my first guy was a zookeeper. So I got um, like a pole catcher for catching animals was like my weapon. Uh, my geek uh, would take a nail and shove it into his head. So I had a big iron spike, which I got to use as a weapon. And then my other guy um, was the gambler, and he had loaded dice and a deck of cards. So he didn't have any weapon whatsoever. And his luck was really bad. Like, I rolled my luck with real luck. So I called him Frankie Snake Eyes because he was a horrible gambler and he kept losing. And he was the first guy that died. So we were on this bus. So, like, one of the guys was the bus driver. There was, a, it was like, a girl who was a stripper. There was another girl who, like, again, we were playing three characters. So there was, like, a housewife, a stripper. We had a cop on the bus, zookeeper, a construction worker, a football coach with a helmet and a whistle. And so we're driving on this bus, and then, bam, we're, like, in this other world. We're inside this dungeon. There's lava pouring in, and everything's going crazy, and there's lizard men. And we thought it was a movie, so we're all like, what's going on? And the first guy gets stabbed in the face, and we're like, ah, and running around. 
So Frankie Snake Eyes tries to jump off the back of the bus, lands in the lava, and then I die. <laughs> and so I'm like, so he, he hits the lava, and he, he's in so much pain, he like kind of throws his dice, and as he hits the lava, he sees they come up Snake Eyes. <laughs> and like, that's how I died, and I was like, awesome! And so he, I flipped my character sheet over, and I wrote Death by Lava. And then we're going through the dungeon, and there's stuff going on. We're fighting lizard men, and we get to a room full of gold. And so my geek goes to pick up a gold coin to bite it, seeing sure it's real. Dragon head pops up fireball in the face my head's gone death by a fire breathing dragon i just cannot tell you how much fun i had playing it sounds that like game. you had a really good dm oh my god i think that makes a huge difference for any game and it was all loose like he was drawing the map but there was no tactics there was no five foot here five foot there it was just like he draw okay here's a, there's a tunnel he draw a little thing here here's the here's the dragon's head or whatever and um so my, my last character when we got to the end he ran and hide, my zookeeper. He was the guy that was left alive. And um, so all the other characters that were still alive, because almost everybody died. Like I think almost everybody had one character left. They got away, and I'm like, well, I'm the only one left. And I, we killed all the bad guys. Like, well, I'm going to take over, and I'm going to become the new evil guy. And so he gave us all like a five-minute prologue. Like, tell, us, like, tell me what happened to your character. And I was like, well, you hear rumors of a growing power in the East <laughs> as Carl rises. And it was just like basically the, the Sauron story, but it was Carl, the zookeeper. And then Travis had a character. He had a, his construction worker was like fucking Thor. He had a sledgehammer. He was killing shit left and right. And he, so he went off into the West and he rose his own army. And then we said that we clashed. And that was kind of where we ended his, his army faced Carl's evil army. Again, I can't say hands down. I had so much fun in that game. It was ridiculous. In terms of the actual rules of the game and stuff, do you think it's an easy game to pick up? It sounds like it's a simple game to pick up. <laughs> well, I think because I don't even know if we were playing by the rules or not. I mean, I was, the book is like huge. I actually bought it, and it's ridiculously thick. We only rolled the dice maybe half a dozen times. It would be like, okay, you're getting stabbed in the face. Roll a save. You're dead. Uh, this guy attacks you. You're dead. I mean, it was so minimal, the number of dots we were on. So I'm, I'm guessing if we played actual classes, it would have been a lot more complex because we would have had attacks and scores. But since we were playing normal people that were transported, it was a little bit different. It was made for, for new players, I'm guessing. So therefore, that's why it was probably... So it's not like a game necessarily where it's like, I'm going to keep going until I get to the end or I'm meant to win this. It's more just like... This is brutally lethal, and it's just going to be funny to see what happens. Yes, but but there's also something about that where the character that did survive, like I had a lot of investment because this is the one that survived, and the way the game worked is that he said essentially you would have become a, a class, the ones that survived, because at the very end of the game, all those guys got to go to a city because I had hit, I stayed behind, but basically you know, the, their prologue was, did you become a fighter, did you become a wizard, did you become a rogue? You know, what did you do? How did you assimilate into society? And so if we continued the game, we would have classes that we would then say, okay, now I'm a first-level fighter. Is this the, where the uh, conversation with Jared came from, the debate? No, we played in a 4E game together. Because I was going to say, this is a perfect example of personality, and then you figure out your class. Right. You were basically forced to create a personality way before you had a class. Yep. And because you didn't know the game, you couldn't even say, oh, I want to be more wizard-like, so I'm going to do that, or I want to be more rogue-like. You basically said, I am a zookeeper, what would I do? Yep. I don't know, again, I can't, I, I'm so appreciative of that game. I had so much fun. Travis played that one with us. He had a blast. He had a Milton, who he tried to keep killing, but he never died. Like, he eventually committed suicide. He jumped into a pit of lava because he wanted the guy to die. 
he had the football coach, and then he had the construction worker. Uh, again, we had a cop. We had a game designer. It's actually the other guy who, who ended up being our leader was a game designer. And he's like, we're in Lord of the Rings. It's like he's a dragon. And he was just playing kind of like the, uh, the Scream character who knows all the rules about the scary movies. He was a guy who knew all the rules about Dungeons and Dragons. He's like, we're in the game. And we're all like, and Travis <laughs> looks at him and goes, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So what game did you, was it the least fun? Okay. Even though you said you didn't have any bad groups or did, anything I didn't like have that. any bad groups. My, was my, there a game that you were disappointed in the game? Yes, my, my least favorite. And, and again, these are all great. So it's not like it was a bad game. It was just my least favorite was when I played Hex. And I played it based on a friend of mine from Cleveland who suggested the game. And, and I don't even really know how to explain. Well, actually, I do. The first problem I had with it is, one, I don't know the system. I have, I have the book, and I've skimmed through it, but I don't really know it, so I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the times. And I don't feel like the DM did a really good job of catering to the people who didn't know. Because there was, we had a, one, it was a big table, which I hated anyways. I don't like, we had seven players. I think that's too many. Five of them, or four of them, all knew the game very, very, very well. Real quick, what was the, like, what was the average number of players at a table? Five. I had two games that had seven people in it. Uh, one was the 4E game with Travis and Jared, and then there was the Hex game with Travis and Jared. And the, the 4E game, which actually I'm not a fan of 4E, I had a lot of fun. Like, it was actually a fun game, but for completely different reasons, and we can get into that in a little bit if we have time. But the Hex game, first of all, there were seven players, which I think is way too many. I didn't know the system, so I constantly had to go, okay, well, how do I do things? I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. And the, it was just such an eclectic game. And the way I'm trying to describe it or try to understand it is this is a game that he runs all the time, and it's part of a series of adventures. So when we started playing, he basically said, okay, your characters have just come from here, and he kind of gave us the backstory of, as if we had played the first part of the module. So this has all happened, and you're now here. So I didn't have a connection to anybody, even though in the game terms I should have. So it's not like, you know, you guys are all here together and you don't know each other and we're figuring it out. We had to role play as if we already knew each other for a long time. And then we had a bird man. We had a barbarian on a flying horse. We had a mad scientist. We had a robot. And we had a damsel in distress and two adventurers. And I was just like, how? I, couldn't, I couldn't center myself on who my character was because there was just so much craziness. Like, how do you, you had a Hawkman, like basically, you know, Hawkman from He-Man. You got a barman on a flying horse. And I'm like, and we were fighting yeah, undead we zombie like, Nazis. And it was, just, it was just too much. Like, I, I had, I couldn't ground myself. So it sounds like Savage Worlds, all the um, settings rolled into one. S- similar to that. In a way. Uh, and just, again, I don't know. Like, the DM did a fine job. You know, the game ran smooth. And do, you think it's the, do you think it was the game? Or you not knowing the rules? I think part of it was too many people. I, I felt like there was too much time in between each turn. System mastery, because I didn't know what I was doing. And because everyone else, I think, did. The, like, in most games, if you don't know, the DMs a lot more understanding. Like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. And it was the size of the table that... There was some, people, yeah, yeah, mostly it was the other players would say. They would tell me because the DM was busy. And the other thing is I was tired. Like, this was a part where I was starting to get really tired. I actually drank two five-hour energies during this game as a four-hour game because I was about to fall asleep, so I'm sure I was kind of cranky. But at the end, so so basically it's like a Stargate. We showed up in this place. We got teleported from the other place the other end, and into the other adventure, and we knew right away we needed to find a crystal to activate this portal because we were trying to get home. 
Well, early in the adventure, we found that crystal. And so we're all like, okay, well, let's go back and fix the portal. And the DM kept trying to push us further into the adventure. And we were like, why would we do? I mean, like, we're like the whole table is like, why would we be doing this? Why, why don't we just go? So I just, I think that aspect of the adventure was poorly written and that the, the big thing we needed to get should have been at the end of the adventure. And so the very last thing that we did is we were in this cave and we just fought four giant spiders. I also realized spiders are, there's a lot of spiders in role-playing games. Like the, <laughs> the go-to bad guy, spiders. I think I had four games out of eight that spiders were the bad guys. So we fought this really big spider and then we're like, okay, we're ready to go. We got our, we got our crystal, we're going to go. And he's like, you hear this thing in your mind and it's compelling you to go deeper. And I rolled my roll and I, and I defended. I'm like, no, I'm out of here. Then he looks at another player. You now feel the compelling. So basically, he really wanted us to fight the last battle. And everyone else is like, we want to go. So I even looked at the DM and said, I know we got half an hour left, but I'm okay with ending early rather than fighting this last boss because it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't understand why we would fight it. So we kind of let it go and let us leave, and then we won. But I think he felt like, well, you know, I have a four-hour game, and we're early. I just feel like he was trying to give us our four hours. I don't think it was anything like he was being a prick or anything like that. He just like, I got half an hour left. I got a boss battle. It makes sense. But story-wise, again, because Michael's a story guy, I'm like, we got her key. Let's get the fuck out of here. And I just didn't understand why he kept trying to push us towards that battle. So the, the big crystal should have been with the big spider, not the four little spiders. So who were the guys that were running mostly? Were they just, like, could you sign up to run a game yes. next year? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm thinking about it. Um, in some cases it was, like, I had one game that was run by a, a designer of a game, and it was sort of like a play test of a system. And then one of the guys, the 4E game that we ran, it's a guy who's trying to publish the module. Like, he's trying to design an adventure, and we're, like, playtesting it for him. The Hex game was just somebody who likes the game, and he just likes the system, and he has this adventure, so he runs. So it's very eclectic. How do you get to it, I mean? Uh, you just sign up. Like, you literally yeah, you, can just... You can literally say, I want to create an event, and it's going to have this many people, and this is what it's going to be about, and this is how much it's going to cost. Did you have any bad DMs or inexperience no, or people that... No. Um, like I said, that the Hex game was probably... It absolutely was my worst game, but it wasn't because of the DM necessarily. It was more the, the, the other factor. Seven people didn't know the system, that kind of thing. Um, played, I played in two Savage Worlds game, and they were both awesome. It, that was probably my second favorite event was the Savage World game. Did it make you want to play Savage World? Yes. It, it really really did want me to sell it. And, and one of the things that I do really like about it still is the flaws and the hindrances and the uh, edges. Because mm -hmm. it does allow you to role play a personality that's not just you playing a dwarf. Because it says, okay, you are curious. So you're like, okay, I'm going to play curious. Where as a, as a player, I'm like, I'm not touching that because I know there's an evil dead spider in there. But my character would because he's curious. So it's a way to kind of help you play. But my favorite moment in that game, it was, which I thought was awesome, is I was playing a stubborn dwarf. And that was one of my, which I know is stereotypical, but I, again, I was really stubborn. And there was a moment where there was this 15-foot pit, which was really, really hard to jump across. I mean, it was like nearly impossible to jump. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I jumped it, and I rolled ridiculous. I mean, it was just like perfectly. I rolled like a 32 on my jump because you have exploding dice. So I jumped it, and the DM was like, I can't believe you did that. So on the way back, I tried to jump it again, and I failed. So I intentionally walked up the wrong side and tried it again. 
And I kept doing that over and over. Eventually, the DM's like, okay, fine, you, you make it eventually. But, like, that's the kind of funny stuff that, that I never would do in real life. If I was really that dwarf, there's, there's spikes at the bottom. And every time I landed, I was taking damage. I would say, okay, no, but because I'm playing the stubborn dwarf, I'm like, well, that would be funny. And so I kept going up and it was like, it was just awesome. It was just a fun little moment that we had in that, in that game. And then the other thing is we had an, what's called an interlude in Savage World where it's like a little story that you tell about your character to develop. Kind of, we do it in my games, we call it story time, where I'm like, okay, we're going to start every game and talk tell about. But in that game, it's actually built into the system. And I played a fighter that refused to use ranged weapons, and I was stubborn. Those were my two sort of quirks. So the story I told is that as a young boy, my dad, who was a, a world-renowned dwarfish archer, was trying to teach me archery. And I refused, so he got so mad, he started beating me with his bow. And I was so stubborn, I took it until he broke his bow over my head. And the next day, our village was attacked, and because he didn't have his bow, he was killed. So that was sort of my tragic story that I'm like, I, re I refused to be dependent on a ranged weapon, and it fit into my stubbornness. So, so instantly, I had this great connection to that character. I had a lot of fun with it. The DM was fantastic. He had all these props. And that's the other thing that I, you know, we're doing the theater of the mind I kind of want to start using some props because almost every game had something. Even if it wasn't maps and minis, there was like, uh, the, even the hex guy, he used Legos, which I actually thought was really cool. We had Lego characters and like Lego spiders from the Lord of the Rings set. So they were like really, really cool looking spiders. And one guy, we played Deadlands and he had all these buildings and like an old abandoned church that was burned out. So we didn't do it tactically. Did you have it you just to see it visually? Right, right. Like we didn't play it necessarily tactics. But it was just sort of a cool thing. I actually took some pictures of some of the things that I thought were really cool. You should post them on the, on the website. I, yeah, I will. Podcast. Um, but I, I, I do think that having props is cool. It's one of the reasons why when I started the last game that I started, I had, uh, I had some pictures of the area that you guys were going to start playing in just to give you a visual idea of how things look right. like. And so that's something I think I might want to start doing is just having some props to kind of help things out. Uh, so, again, I absolutely had a blast. I played two Savage Worlds games. I played a 4 game, Dungeon Crawl Classics. I got to play 13th Age, which is one of the big things I wanted to play. Uh, played a 4E game with seven people and had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but, though, that's what, that's what led to uh, our, just my discussion with Jared because he was playing a ranged rogue in that game. And we just started talking about it, and it just kind of so, got me on that on that tangent. So would it be fair to say that if you go to Gen Con to roleplay a lot, you should either play games that are very geared towards first-time players or play a game that you have experience in? Because well, it seems like you had the most fun in a very simple game because you didn't have to know the rules and it was okay, and games you knew, like 4E, Deadlands... Savage Worlds, but Hex, because you didn't know it, and it was kind of like not for, it wasn't for newbies, newbies. Right. That's kind of what yeah. lost you. I would have liked the Hex game a lot better if my character was like the player and new, new to the system. Like if he just said, because the way, Hall, basically Hex stands for Hollow Earth Expedition, and it's sort of a, a 1920s pulpy B science fiction movie where there's like a hollow earth and journey into the earth, and you're in there, and there's like, you know, crazy science and you know the damsel in distress and the adventurer and big game hunter so if my character had been somebody who just found the place and like my plane crashed in the bermuda triangle and i woke up and i'm in this this weird place and you're learning about the place right. it would be more fun yes. see you actually touched an interesting point because two of my favorite games 
One of them was Hunter, a White Wolf game. And what was amazing about this, our DM said, storyteller in that game, the storyteller said, you're not going to, I don't want anybody to read any of the books. And he just said, make your personality, and we started going from there. And he actually gave us classes. We didn't know what class we were. We would literally say, oh, I want to do the glowy thingy when I throw, because we didn't even know the name of the ability. Right. That was a lot of fun, because you discover the game in the game. And the other game is, it was on a different system, it's called uh, Sadoran. And what I liked about that is, I was a magic user with a spirit animal, but I didn't know that I had one. And I basically was introduced to my spirit animal through role playing. Gotcha. And then I got my spells through talking to my spirit animal and kind of like in the astral plane and like figuring things out. And initially it was like, I don't know how to move in the astral plane. What do I do? And it's like, how do I go back to my body? You know, that's cool because you're laying the game while you're role playing. And I think that's why I probably liked the first game with the dungeon crawl so much because yep. you didn't have to worry about what class am I. You just said, if I was a gambler, what would I do when I saw a place full of lava? Yeah. I would just jump from the back. Right. I tried, just to, I tried to run away and I rolled badly and I landed in. Because he drew it out and there was like half of it. I, there, was a, there was a place for me to land. That seems kind of shitty because like if there's lava, you could easily go, I'm going to jump this way. Not this way. Well, I did that, but I rolled so poorly on my roll that I kind of fell. So I, ha- I literally was like half of it. I, if I jumped to the right, I was good. The left, I was bad. He said, roll your decks, and I, I had a shitty decks, and I failed, and I landed in the lava. But the thing is, I wasn't mad. I thought it was awesome, and I, it made me like I, the I whole think, oh, yeah. nice. I, I think yeah. because you have three characters, it also doesn't make you feel like, oh, shit, now I'm done yeah. for the game. So the, the one comment I'll make on that is originally I didn't like the three-character thing. Because I felt it was hard to role play. To role play because I had to come up with three personalities at the same time. And so that's one reason why I didn't mind that first guy dying instantly. Is it was, okay, now I'm down to two. And it was a lot easier to kind of get into a mindset. And then the geek character that I played really didn't have a personality. Because he was the quiet circus guy who bites the heads off chickens. So he never said anything the entire game. He was quiet. And so I basically role played Carl. And he's the guy that lives. So it kind of worked out. Uh, That makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's hard play multiple characters it's also hard if you have a retainer and you have to role play them yeah which is why i hate doing that it, in games i don't like having very retainers. very complicated so, so again have a plan for me i wanted to play a bunch of different games so i did that next year i'm not going to have that objective i'm going to pick two or three games that i just want to play and play them a lot yes either play the same set or maybe you try to find the same dms but to your question earlier about the experience level is you can pick that like when you look at the description of the game, yeah, it it'll say you. for beginner or you know some experience required, or you need to be an expert at this. So again, you, I aimed for things that were beginner for the things I hadn't played before. Did you guys play any tournaments? Because there's also tournaments. I did not. I, did Jared, Jared play? Jared was going to, but he ended up not doing it. Uh, so this is other another little helpful tent, <laughs> helpful tent, helpful tip, is if possible, do not schedule any events that just say ICC. Unless it has a room number, don't schedule those events. Because at least for me, because I'm deaf in one ear, I could not hear shit. Because it's just a giant hall. I mean, it's like a you know football field hall, and there's tables four feet from each other, and everybody's playing. And Jared has ADD anyways, and you know he'll he'll openly admit that. So he played in one event. He's like, I couldn't even hear the DM. Like at one point he said, I don't know what's going on because I haven't been able to hear the DM. 
Because there's just so much noise from so yeah, many people. Yeah, there's just so much going on. So next year, I will not schedule a game unless it's in a, either in a hotel or it's in a side room. Because I played in one that was in a side room, and it was okay because it was still in the hall, but it had a closed door on each side, and there's only like five tables in there. But, yeah, there's no way I could play in a big open hall with my hearing and have any idea what was going on. Were there any funny incidents that happened? Like when you were in the big in the big hall, did anybody get out of hand, or was there any like incident of somebody getting angry or? Not that I saw. I Everyone. think because people are not very uh, attached to their characters, they don't get as much. Yeah, nobody was throwing a fit. I'm sure. It. I'm sure there's Rouge lawyers and min maxers that will go crazy yeah. for certain things. But see, but I still didn't see because I played in a lot of the games that were for beginners. That most of the people were like, I didn't really get into any games where it was a hardcore uh, slayer thing. I don't know. Again, I absolutely had a blast. I really hope you guys can go next year. I, I definitely will be going next year. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.